right. Oh, the table is much bigger and harder to move than you think. All right, good morning, everybody. Man, this morning has been packed, and I am so stoked um, because now I get to take the Joseph story and show, talk this morning uh, how this incredible story of Joseph actually points to a greater story. It points to the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's my part this morning, and I'm stoked to be able to do it. For those who don't know me, I am the student ministry director here, so that means I get to hang out with both middle school and high schoolers. Um, and it has been, it, yeah, I love doing that. You guys got some pretty awesome, um, you got some awesome kids. So, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I have set up here um, three different parts that represent the life of Joseph. So over here, we have Joseph's coat of many, many colors, all right? And when you see this, I want you to think this is the beloved son. This is why his dad gave him to him. He gave him this beautiful coat because he was the beloved son of his father. But then the Joseph story, it goes on where Joseph, his brothers, they were, they were jealous of their father's love for him. And so what they do is they take Joseph and they sell him. And so I have this rope here. If you saw our skit this week, guys, you remember Joseph was tied up and where was he led? He was led to Egypt to be a slave. But then while he was there, through some pretty miraculous circumstances, he rose to become like a king. Now, he didn't become king, but he became like a king, all right? And what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna go through this story really quick, and in the end, we're gonna see how the Joseph story actually points to Jesus. So, Joseph. Joseph is the beloved son. There's 12 brothers, right? And of all of them, he is the loved, the, the, the favorite, right? And Joseph is born into a pretty messed up family, all right? He has a messed up family, why? Because he has a dad who doesn't hide his favoritism. That wasn't so great. But also, Joseph himself, you know, he starts having these dreams of how his brothers are gonna bow down to him, and we see signs of like, oh, dude, Joseph is like kind of arrogant about that. And then his brothers are so jealous of him that they begin to plan and plot on how they're going to get rid of him. So Joseph is born into a pretty messed up family. But here's what's really cool. Despite how messed up they were, they were chosen by God. This family that we, we heard about all week long, they were chosen by God to be a very special people that God said he was gonna bless this family so that this family could be a blessing to the whole world. And that's why we learn about this family. So um, you know what's super encouraging to me is when I think about how messed up, I was born into a messed up family. I had a great family, but you know what? We're not perfect. And right now, I'm married and have two kids, and we're still a messed up family because we've all got issues and problems. But you know what's super cool is that God chooses to love and care for messed up people. So if you're a messed up person, you qualify for the love of God. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So Joseph, Joseph was the beloved son. His brothers were jealous of him. And so when they had opportunity, they, they see Joseph coming. We saw in the skit, what do they do? They grab him, they throw him in the pit, and then they're thinking, let's kill him. And somebody says, well, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. So now they're selling their brother like a piece of property. He's tied up and he's taken down to Egypt. Um, and then when he gets to Egypt, things go from bad to worse because he, Joseph is now, he's a servant. Now, he didn't choose to be a servant, 
but he's now a servant. But he's a good servant. He's a faithful servant. And while he's being a good and faithful servant, well, he gets accused by his master's wife of something that he didn't do. And because everybody believed her, he ended up in jail. So this guy is now, he's suffering like he's a criminal, and yet he's a really good guy. He didn't do anything wrong, and yet he's suffering as if he's a bad person. Now, here's where the story gets exciting. Because Joseph, while he was in prison, the, the, the Pharaoh, he has a dream. And all of a sudden, this guy's like, hey, I know a guy who can interpret your dream. His name's Joseph. And the Pharaoh's like, well, bring him here. Bring Joseph here. So Joseph comes, and what does he do? He interprets the king's dream, or I should say Pharaoh's dream. Or Joseph says, well, God, God knows how to do this. He can, he can interpret dreams. And so he, the, he interprets his dreams. It says there's going to be seven years of plenty where there's going to be lots of food, and then there's going to be seven years of famine where there's not going to be any food at all. He says, so we need to start collecting food. Well, the Pharaoh is so impressed at the wisdom that God had given Joseph that he says, Joseph, I'm putting you in charge. You're the boss now, man. You're second in command, only to me. And so Joseph becomes like a king. So the beloved son who was mistreated is now like a king. He's risen to a position of authority. Well, just like um, Joseph interpreted the dream, there was a great famine in the land and there's no food. And so Joseph's brothers living in the land of Canaan, they come down to Egypt and they come looking, they come looking for food. But who do they find in Egypt? Find their brother. They find Joseph, their little brother. And now Joseph, Joseph is not weak and vulnerable anymore. He's actually in a position of power. And so what I want to do this morning is really quickly, I want to look at that skit that we just saw. I want to look at that moment when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and he lets them know, hey, it's me, Joseph. So let's, we're going to actually open up the Bible and I'll have it up on the screen for you because I know it'd probably be hard for some of you to open up your Bible and juggle a kid at the same time. So we'll have the verses up on the screen for you. Um, and so in Genesis chapter 45, verse 3, it says this. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. I mean, think of what that moment must have been like for them. The absolute fear and terror of like, oh my gosh, it's Joseph. That's the guy that we sold into to slavery. We, we sold him like he was a piece of property and now this dude is like a king. Like, we're so dead. Like, surely he's going to throw us in prison. He's going he's to have us executed. We're going to die for what we've done. But what does Joseph do? Joseph says, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be dismayed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. He said, you sold me. You sold me. But guys, there's a bigger plan happening. There's something bigger that was happening there. God actually sent me here. And think of what that must have been like for Joseph. Joseph's thinking, this is... This is what this was for. This is why God sent me here. All of these bad things that kept happening, this is why. Later on, Joseph 
would go on to say this to his brothers. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. When you sold me, this moment right here, when they sold him, right, and he, Joseph was led off to, to Egypt. In that moment, Joseph says, that was evil. You meant it for evil. But that same moment, at that same time, God meant something different. God had another meaning in that event. He says, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So Joseph goes on to say, guys, what you did is wrong. It was wrong. But guys, even in that, God had another plan, another purpose, and that's been our theme all week long. God had a monumental plan that was so much bigger than just you, so much bigger than me, and it was so that I could be in this position today. I could be here. I could be like a king, and I could provide for you. So Joseph goes on, he says, for the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest, but God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and uh, ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph, I'm in charge now. And this is part of God's plan. So then he says, hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, the, the son that you thought was dead, he's not dead, I'm right here. Tell him to come. He said, God made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have there I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. Guys, this is incredible because what Joseph does in this moment is he doesn't just offer his brothers total and complete forgiveness for what they've done. What he does for his brothers is he says, now I want you to come near to me. Let's be a family again. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to provide for you. It's so much more than just forgiveness that he gave to his brothers. And that's incredible. This story of Joseph is absolutely an incredible story of forgiveness, of God's sovereignty, God's greatness, his bigness in the world, and his plan. But this story actually points, this story about a beloved son who was mistreated, who was then given a position of power and authority, actually points to another beloved son. Do you guys know who that beloved son is? It's Jesus, that's right. You see, the beloved son of God just like God sent Joseph to Egypt in order that he might be a savior to his family to save them from a famine, God sent his beloved son Jesus into the world that through Jesus the world might be saved through him, that all who trusted in the person of Jesus might be saved. Joseph was a savior from, for his family from the famine, but Jesus is a savior from sin. So this is incredible. Jesus is actually, when we talk about Jesus, he's actually part of the same 
family. You realize Joseph is the, uh, or I should say, uh, Jesus is the great, 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 great nephew of Joseph. And so that makes Joseph the great, 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 great uncle of Jesus. It's the same family. It's the same family. You see, Jesus was born into a messed up family. But here's what's really cool. is that Jesus is different than anybody else in that family because he's the only member of that family who wasn't messed up. No, he was born perfect because he wasn't just another member of the family. There's a reason why he's called the son of God because that's, Jesus is God. Jesus, when he came and was the human part of him is, uh, that's not even the right word. The human, what's the right word? The human part of Jesus, if we can say it that way, it was born into that family, but there's this other, it's not even part, we, find, we, we struggle to find words to describe this because Jesus is truly God and truly man at the same time. I tell kids all the time, you got Spider-Man, Superman, uh, what do we got, Iron Man, but with Jesus, you have God-man. That's who he is at the same time, and he is my favorite superhero. I got asked that on the, across the parking lot this morning. Noah asked me, my son, he was like, what's your favorite superhero? And I was like, Jesus, what's yours? And he's like, how am I supposed to answer that now? You see, because he was perfect. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. Uh, he came to his own people. Okay, um, there are a lot of similarities between Jesus and between Joseph. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna name a few. Um, you remember how Joseph was, he was, Joseph was, was forced to become a servant. Well, Jesus was also a servant. But you see, there's a big difference between Jesus, Jesus' servanthood and Joseph's servanthood. You see, the reason why I got a rope here is because Joseph didn't choose to be a servant. But Jesus volunteered. Jesus said, I'll go, I'll be a servant. Let me read from you from uh, uh, Philippians chapter two, it says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. In other words, he didn't hold on to his right and privilege as God, but he emptied and set all those things aside and by taking the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, do you guys remember how Joseph was rejected by his brothers? How his brothers, they planned and they schemed. How, I mean, how do we get rid of this Joseph? We don't like him. Well, when Jesus came, and the Bible says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. They didn't know him or recognize him, nor did they receive him. They didn't like him. You see, there was people in Jesus's day who didn't like that more and more people were following after Jesus. A lot of the religious leaders were jealous in the same way that Joseph's brothers were jealous um, against Joseph, the religious leaders in Jesus' day were actually jealous against Jesus. And so they began to plot and scheme and plan, how do we put to death Jesus? 
And you remember how I said that Joseph was accused of something that he didn't do? And he was actually being punished. He was put in prison for something that he didn't do. In the same way, Jesus was accused of all kinds of things. He was the only good person to ever live. And yet he was accused of all sorts of bad things. And he was treated as if he was, as if he was a criminal, as if he was a bad person. I want to make that distinction. Can we have, um, is Zach, can you bring up the cross one? Where are we at? Thanks, dude. Let's give a hand for Zach. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Okay, so I mentioned, let's just set it right here. So I mentioned this morning that, thanks, bro. There's a lot of similarities between Jesus and Joseph, but there's a lot of really big things that they don't have in common. And one of them is, is that Joseph suffered as a criminal in prison, but Jesus suffered as if he was a criminal, and he suffered all the way to the point of death. The only good person to ever live was eventually nailed to a cross, and he died. This was one of the most wicked things to ever happen in the history of the world. When we talk about evil existing in the world, this is it. This is the top. This is the Son of God, the only sinless person ever to live and this is how he was treated he was nailed to a cross and he died but praise God that's not the end of the story because three days later he rose again he came back to life he wasn't partially dead he wasn't somewhat dead he wasn't just unconscious no he was dead dead and they took his body they put it in a tomb and then three days later, because he was so perfect and so good, God said, it's time to get up now. Arise. And he got up out of the grave, and he lives to this day. He is alive. Um, and do you remember how Joseph, Joseph became like, I said, like a king, right? He didn't, wasn't king, but he was like a king. Well, the Bible says this, talking about Jesus, because he died on the cross, it says this, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, that's Jesus, the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what, do you remember, do you remember that moment when Joseph's brothers they all start bowing down to him out of, out of respect. Well, one day, every knee is gonna bow to Jesus. Whether in this life or in the next, one day, everyone will see him as king. Jesus, before, after he rose up from the grave and before he ascended into heaven, one of his last statements was this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am king. I'm king of everything. You see, Joseph became like a king in Egypt, but Jesus is king over all things. And one day everyone will see him for who he is and they will bow their knee to him. And every mouth will confess, no, he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, do you remember that moment when Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers and he made an incredible statement, he said, you meant it for evil against me. God meant it for good. Well, that same statement, that same truth applies to the death 
of Jesus. You see, I said earlier that when Jesus died on the cross, this was one of the most wicked things to ever take place in human, the most wicked thing to ever take place in human history. But what wicked men intended for evil, God actually intended for good. God meant it. There was another meaning in the death of Jesus. It was always God's plan that his beloved son would die for the sins of his people. And when Jesus was on the cross, God took all of our sin, the sins of every messed up person and every messed up family, all of our wickedness, all of our disobedience, and he put it on Jesus. And Jesus died in our place for our sin. Do you remember that moment we saw in the skit where um, Judah comes running up and he says, no, take me, take me. Like, not, not my little brother, not, not, not again. Like, I'll, I'll take his place. Oh, that is exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. And do you remember how Joseph offered to his brothers or gave to his brothers total and complete forgiveness for what they have done? Well, in the same way, because of the death of Jesus, God offers total and complete forgiveness for every wrong that we have ever done, and he offers this to anyone who trusts in Jesus. Anyone. Uh, Romans, um, Romans 10, 13 says, for, uh, for, everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone at all who would call on Jesus and recognize, hey, I, I am guilty and I am a sinner and I have wronged and I have offended you, would Jesus, would Jesus also pay for my sins? Could his death be applied to me? Could his blood be applied to me? And could I be forgiven of what I've done because I've done a lot, a lot of bad things? You know, I was thinking this morning that if you don't see yourself as guilty, if you don't see yourself as, as doing something wrong, why did Joseph's brothers fear when they saw him? They feared because they knew that they had offended him. They feared because they knew that they had wronged their brother. And so when he offered them forgiveness, it was incredible, it was amazing. God's forgiveness is not amazing unless you understand that you have offended God and you need forgiveness as well for what you've done. But there's so much more, and I love how it's pictured in this story. Do you remember how Joseph not only offered his brothers forgiveness for their sins, but he said, now, I want you to come and live with me. Let's be a family together. That is exactly what God is offering to all those who would trust in Jesus. That through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he says, uh, John, let me read this for you. John chapter one, verse 12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's, here's what we have. Here's what we have. We have Jesus who was the, just like Joseph, he was the beloved son, except he was perfect. This beloved son was sent by the father and he was wronged. And he died on a cross, but God had meaning and purpose in that, that through that, Jesus would arise and he would become king of everything, that all authority in heaven and earth would be given to him. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is a way in which we can actually become a part of the family of God. 
where we too can be like Jesus, beloved children of God, that we can be called sons and daughters of God. And that's what we have. There is no greater honor in this world than to be a part of the family of God. And I'll just say this, I don't know what kind of father you had growing up, or what kind of father you have today, whether he was good or he was not good. This father is only good. He is a good, good father. There is a longing inside each and every one of us where we want to know that we are loved and we are cared for. And that exists because you were made to know your heavenly father and you can know him through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has made a way. And so I would challenge you, if you don't know Jesus, what an awesome day to meet Jesus so that you could meet your heavenly father and to be able to do that on Father's Day. And we would love to, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to pray with you. So I'm gonna close in a word of prayer and um, we'll go from there. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the, for the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I thank you that we have such a good, good father. A good father who will never leave us, will never abandon us, who will keep us to the end. I thank you so much that you demonstrated your love for us and that you handed over what was most precious to you, Jesus, so that through his life and death, we might become children of God, that Jesus might be to us the firstborn and we might be like brothers and sisters. That's incredible, Lord. Father, I, I do pray, if there's anybody who doesn't know you, Lord, would you open their eyes that today they may see you for who you are. Jesus, we praise you, we love you, and when it is in your name we pray, amen.